1: Ladies and gentlemen,
2: welcome to the LPN Show. Recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out.
3: Have a good time. All right. Talk to y'all after a while.
4: Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kizzle here. Welcome to the LPN Show, the show all about wonderful conversation and hanging out with friends. Today, I'm honored to have with me. He is not only a friend, he's also a wonderful performer. You've heard his great voice on the new hit podcast, Fraudsters. And my God, is uh, this person just one of my closest friends in the history of the world, Sina Gaznavi. Sina, thanks so much for being on the show, buddy.
2: Oh my God, this is round two for me on the LPN show. I love it. I'm so happy about it.
4: I know, I know. I'm surprised I didn't get you first because, of course, we have the longer <laughs> friendship. I'm the one who... We do. I'm the one... Who, no, actually, I think we we sort of collectively met uh, that Murder Fist gang, that ragtag yeah. tag sketch group, of course, led by Henry Zabrowski, Holden McNeely, Ed Larson, Jackie Zabrowski. But you and I were the first to meet in New York City. We met at a Oof. place, a comedy club, folks. I don't know if people remember what those are, but it used to be a place where people would come, they would convene. One individual would stand on stage and make themselves sound like a jackass. And those yes. jackasses, for many years, for Sina and I, we met at the New York Comedy Club, which was, I'm going to say, a glorified nacho stand. Yeah. And we performed for the first time together In a railroad to the side of the main stage, a railroad room, and on one side of the room was the stage with one lone mic, and the other side was a wall that was covered in a mirror. So basically, you saw yourself bomb for five minutes, and you paid to have that experience. You know, it
2: wasn't a strip club in the first place, but it no. was just a trick to like make the room seem bigger. But what ended up happening was it made everyone feel even more uncomfortable to perform and be there. And then it was you would horrible. see yourself not laughing. That's at your own <laughs> yeah.
4: Or you have to laugh at your own jokes, which is extremely difficult because you have to be a borderline ventriloquist to tell the joke and laugh at the right time. That's more difficult than even doing the punchline, right? Couldn't do but it. But at that point, I remember there's a little guy, he's a little bush, got a little bushy hair, Mm. goes on stage, skinny, still Mm. is skinny, that's Cena. (laughs) But the announcer, I forget who was announcing, I mean, God knows, maybe this guy named Steve, who used to wear leather, who we're fairly (laughs) certain has bodies in the basement. If he had a basement, I don't know, maybe he lived in a basement. Looks like someone who really knew janitor's closets, even though he's never been a janitor. Cena takes the stage, but it was not Cena Gaznavi at that time, it was Cena John. Yeah, And maybe you can talk a little, because I always found this exploration of your name to be extremely powerful. Both Sina and I are first-generation immigrants. He comes from the wonderful land, or his parents, the wonderful land of Iran. And, of course, my folks, or my father, anyway, I'm half, uh, is from Germany. So, uh, you know, nothing nothing controversial in our past.
2: (laughs) It's just par for the course. Very political, correct countries that we come from. Yeah 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 perfect. Uh yeah, you know, uh, when I was uh, before I got to New York and I was 18, the first time I did stand up was at Chief Ike's Mambo Room at Adams Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a uh, Chief I- Chief Ike's Mambo Room. Oh yeah. What oh, yeah. is it? A staple. It was it was, it was like a oh, just a dive bar. I don't know if Mambo was ever there. I was a freshman <laughs> in college. I didn't know what was going on. But they uh they it was just like, you know, the rail bar, everyone's got their back to you, maybe a few tables looking at you, first time doing stand up. The the host brings me up, he's wearing all black, he's got a weird skinny mustache uh <laughs> and, he, and like those those um, gradient glasses, you know what I mean? Like, they had, like, they're darker up top, and then they get lighter as you get to the bottom. He had those, like, aviator-style ones. Yeah, the ones lenses. that turn
4: into reader reading glasses, but you still want to, like, prey on 17-year-old girls, so you don't want them to think that you're blind. Exactly. I think right. that
2: was written on the marketing, actually, of those <laughs> things as well. And so he brings me up, and he's looking at a post-it note, a yellow post-it note. He's looking at it. He goes, okay, next comic. And then this, you know this. Yeah, I know the Very story. Very good. Very good friend of mine. That's the best part. Whenever you bring up someone that you don't know and you say, very good friend of mine. And he says, (laughs) he says a very good friend of mine, Sina, Gaza, Gaza, Ah, who gives a fuck. (laughs) And it was so sad.
4: Maybe, maybe phonetics would have worked. Maybe spell it out. Gaz, Navi, maybe like do, uh, I don't know, a series of images, pictures like they do on the bottom of the cap of Lone Star beer, something where this guy could have figured it out.
2: I could have done anything, but I—I did. I was just—I was—I almost vomited right before going on stage, and I had some grade A material of Snoop Doggy Dog impressions <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I needed to get out there. I needed to rock this club. So, I mean, it was terrible. It was a m- terrible experience. I of went course. home that that Thanksgiving, and I was telling my parents about it, who were like trying to support me in comedy as a hobby, but obviously not as a career. Definitely and not. <laughs> and then they they said, "Uh, what about uh Sina John and Sina june or or June or John and Farsi means my dear, oh, so Sina John was just a term of endearment that my parents always call me a lot of uh, uh Persian kids get called that from their parents when and you know they'll say June or John, and it's spelled a little different. It probably should have been j a n but I went with j o n and it also it I thought, keep it simple, yeah. I'll make it this way. No one's gonna fuck up my name. We'll just keep it moving." But, you know, that was years I went by that. And it was strange because I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to kind of keep things moving. I didn't want to cause a ruckus. I wanted people just to focus on my comedy. Right. And not mispronouncing my name.
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. We talk about, you know, life hurdles and things like that. And everybody has them. And obviously, we've both grown uh, so much since we first met damn 15 years ago, 16 years ago now, whatever, something like that. Um, but that's, that's an interesting hurdle that not a lot of people might expect when it comes to doing stand-up. and everyone is going to have their own version of this, but it's just the main thing that you want people to focus on for the longest time. It's just the jokes and just being like, just appreciate what I'm trying to do. And then they'll just be like, you're real tall. Uh, what is that? That is a non white. Like there's just so many different hurdles you realize that people have in within themselves just so they can finally see you.
2: And it's hard enough to just do stand-up, to just get on stage to do stand-up. Right. And it's something that if you want to do stand-up, you have to have such a strong drive inside of you to get up on stage and, as you said, make a jackass of yourself to probably, like— Five, maybe three people in the in the crowd. Maybe three, uh, and four maybe. of those four of those three are comedians. The other one's in the bathroom
4: throwing up be- because his set's next, and he really's <laughs> yeah. got some material on how people drive of different cultures.
2: Exactly. I mean, for years it was like this, and and I would have to kind of live like this, like Cena if I was going to get like a job or something like that. Right. John's my stage name, you know. John Stewart's got a stage name. All these other comics got a stage name. But I never really reconciled why I did it. I never and I especially got upset because right around that same time, I think it was a couple of years later, John Cena the wrestler, became wildly popular. Man, he was, was infuriating.
4: so popular. And he was Yeesh. a better he's a better rapper than you. He can <laughs> he can rhyme. Spinny belt and all.
2: Yeah. So people would be like, oh, like John Cena. I'd be like, sure. Yeah, fine. I mean, I thought I was first, like he was still, what was his previous thing before he was John Cena? He
4: was always John Cena, he was born and bred in the WWE, he came up through the indie scene that WWE created.
2: But what was he, he was in a tag team duo before that, wasn't he? Or was he always solo? I think he came out, maybe
4: he was in a tag team, it was he, Batista, he came up with Randy Orton. He may have been tagging for a second, but then he had a massive match with uh, Kurt Angle uh, for the Ruthless Aggression Angle, and that was pretty bland, pretty lame, and then he found out that he could kind of rhyme things a little bit, and then he became the master of thugonomics
2: kurt angle by the way stole the gold medal in wrestling away from the iranians he didn't steal it
4: oh my stole god by it. the way the iranians have a pretty <laughs> controversial history with wrestling right now you want to get into that this is why we're friends because y'all are hanging you all by the way Iranian cena
2: you did you see this that the death, the,
4: the, tw- the death of the 27 year old wrestler thing. that was so sad
2: so sad just for protesting it's like the oh. worst thing that's happened uh in, in years now but you know
4: what's interesting i mean yeah. we can sort of jump and we can go back and talk about wrestling or talk about uh, comedy rather um but when we talk about what happened in iran with that 27 year old wrestler for protesting we're hearing all of these things obviously cena is now a lawyer we 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 get into political stuff we have fun conversations this is not going to be like an over like we're not going to hit you over the head with politics or anything like that but that's just kind of how we, we communicate with each other it's crazy what's going on you see what happened in iran they killed that 27 year old wrestler all he did was participate in a protest now we got folks protesting here they're using they're thinking about using sonic weapons they're thinking about using weapons that melt your freaking skin off the bone i mean that's fascinating coming from a family that had to flee oppression and then all of a sudden we find ourselves and you know i'm not it's not apples to apples but there is They're fruits they're both fruits it's both oppression in many ways, but that's got to be interesting from your perspective, Sina, Just seeing the and your folks seeing what's happening here after they fled something that was you know more extreme, but also in in it's uh, in the same vein.
2: I ask my parents that a lot. I ask my mom especially, and you you've talked politics with my mom. You know how passionate she is about this. Cena's
4: stuff. mom is incredible. I remember <laughs> I was defending Saddam Hussein right before the war. And I think that your mom agreed with me. Not defending Saddam Hussein, (laughs) just saying maybe he should stay. Maybe he should stay. Yeah. The Sunni, he's a a minority religion.
2: He's like the strong hand can rule better than just a bunch of people running around in the the United States destroying destroying everything. We
4: should have just killed the kids. Uday and Qusay. I'm like, you kill the kids. (laughs) I'm sure Saddam (laughs) would be happy too. He'd kill them for us. It would
2: have sucked. The sun said it. But I asked my mom, I said, you know, what do you think about all this? You guys came to America to escape all of this crazy authoritarianism, all this stuff. Right. And now in America, it's happening again. Because in our house, we would always say whenever anything bad would happen, we'd be like, at least it's not Iran. Mm-hmm. At least it's not Iran. And you know what my mom said? She goes, Sina, it is not Iran. But they are trying. <laughs> <laughs> See, that is called Diversity. <laughs> that's bringing.
4: We are bringing all totalitarian regimes to America. That is inclusion, the one. Yes. That's inclusion. Yes, totalitarianism. Inclu-
0: Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the seventies, nineteen seventy-five to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Disney Plus and Hulu are
3: better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film, Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. And You know, when all of this stuff
2: is happening, and and even with Trump getting into office, I started, you know, I started doing stand-up a little less. I started, like, producing more and hosting more. And... I just once he got elected, I was so the only I, you know I actually knew a couple things. One, I'd probably save some money on my taxes, and sure. two, there could be actual verbal violence or physical violence towards me. Those were the two things that I thought would happen. Right, uh, the verbal stuff happened, of course, uh, and right. I wanted to make sure that people knew who I was. For real. I didn't want to make it easier for Americans or white people in general or people that weren't or just, you know, ignorant people. Right. I didn't want to make it easy for them anymore. So I said, I'm just going to shed this stage name and be myself and make it hard for people to say my last name. And you know what? It's actually not that hard. And that's why he goes by Cena.
4: What the fuck to this day? <laughs> and I think that's so powerful. It's, it's a brave name. It sounds like a, a candy bar that can't be sold to children.
2: Yeah, and I lost my blue check mark on Twitter for it, oh. and I remember Eddie, Eddie me, He goes, "Ah, you lost the check mark." I was like, the "Sacrifices had to be made." <laughs> Honestly,
4: dude, you know it's a joke, but that would sting. That I get yeah. that. I totally <laughs> it get that.
2: Sting. No, it did sting. What are you gonna do? But you know what? I'm actually. It was like shedding part of my body it was good it was like all that weight get it out of you man get that shit out of you
4: be yourself you know of course uh you know cena and i we had different paths i i continued to go down the path of uh not law school (laughs) <laughs> which I found to be really fun for me personally. But you did the whole thing. You went to law school. You were at Fordham. I mean, you were busting your freaking frick- ass for four years in this. Uh, in Like the stories that you would tell me, man, I would, I would get gray. Like I just saw Pennywise the Clown. Like my hair would be like, what are you doing? You're still in school. I have nightmares about graduating college and high school to this day. So why did you decide the legal path would be the path that you could explore yourself creatively and you could still like, I don't know, because, you know, I remember when when you stopped doing stand up, it was really hard Um, because stand up is a great it's a great drug and it's a great way to express yourself. And when you can't do that anymore, I mean, I, I remember that being really difficult
2: for you. It was really upsetting. And I remember like having to say no to shows because I respected that person's show. And I knew I wasn't going to be ready to do a set that night, right? And I mean, I had... to be fair, Cena, there was, a, there
4: was like Trucker trucker John who was just <laughs> talking about... far, Like, you could have done the show.
2: And exactly. But in my head, you know, whatever reality I had created for myself... Um... I mean, for all the respect we give to Steve Martin, the guy really
4: just put an arrow through his head.
2: That's it. And it now he's teaching the master words. class. <laughs> but, you know, I... First of all, I went to law school because, you know, my brother's a plastic surgeon. My parents were inundating me with shame. <laughs> and yep. and like led written letters, mothers crying, and you could only take so much. And it's like I get it. I you know, I'm one of those people. I'll tell
4: you one thing. Your mother did not like the friends you were hanging out with, although she did like when (laughs) Big Ben Kissel came over because she definitely saw my ding dong when I when she opened up the door on purpose while I was going to the bathroom. Yes, I had both hands uh, up like and I was leaning against the wall Um, and then because I am very large and tall privileged. in this case, it was nice. I didn't take a piss in your sink, which is something that I can (laughs) very easily do as well. But your mother opens the door and she's like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "Mrs. Gaznavi."
2: <laughs> she was mortified. You oh, had she your was hands mortified. Like you were getting frisked by the police. <laughs> your do- Diggle dongle was out taking a leak, holding uh, yourself up against the wall. My mother comes back and she's white as a sheet. She goes, "Sina, I think I." I'm like, "What?" She goes, "I I opened the door." I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> it could have been so
4: much worse. And Just, Mrs. Gasdevi and I our, our our eyes met and uh you know we've been we've been close ever since.
2: Yeah, stop texting her. I will, I will. And then, yeah, I am that guy. And I decided, okay, one of the things that we were doing at the time was the stand-up experience. Yep. And I was like producing that kind of and we were doing like I liked producing, so I thought, okay, if I'm gonna go to graduate school, which was all they wanted. They wanted me to just add an arbitrary extra degree onto my bachelor's, whatever it was. They didn't care whatever it was. So I was like, I'll go to law school at night and I'll use that to become a better producer and learn how to run a production company. I mean, hindsight being 2020, maybe I would have done the same thing without the various drugs uh, that I've done then. I don't know. But I think think, um, it was a difficult time. Probably would have had more fun Staying in stand up and, and doing that and crafting an hour probably that was probably the prime time I could have done something like that, and who knows maybe the future will be different. But I run a production company now. We got a show on LPN. I got a beautiful wife. I can't. I don't have any regrets. But the well, three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt uh, that I had was the thing that really stays with you.
4: You better get yourself a case. You better get yeah. yourself a big-ass case one day where you make a bunch of money. You just got to start chasing ambulances, buddy. Figure it That's out. Exactly I need to right. see your face on billboards. It'll be back to just John Cena with a picture of John Cena. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, call my number. We'll represent you. We'll represent you. I mean, you mentioned you know producing, and you mentioned um, how difficult that was when Trump got elected at first, and then you are like, no more stand-up for me. What was one of the areas where you um, got the bug out that was, like, the most successful for you? Because, you know, this is an old cliche. Going back to John Cena, he was talking about how the ruthless aggression, he talked about this in the great uh, interview on WWE Network, talking about how his first character completely failed, then all of a sudden he came up with this rapping character, and wow, it finally took off. I mean, we've both worked on projects, like The Stand-Up Experience. I was not mentally ready for, you know, for those things. You have to be, you have to like prepare, you know, you just, I mean, you have to grow, you have to learn, right? Yeah. And I mean, I know you worked on a, a project for multiple years, yeah. uh, the Bear Stearns project, which was <laughs> awesome. So many of our friends were involved. I don't believe that you ever asked me to be a part of it. You were too big for the green screen. Thank it you, a- Cena. <laughs> Cena. what the fuck? Okay, thank you. Um, so sorry. It's okay. I'm happy I wasn't a part of it. I don't need to add another thing to my yeah. list of fa- failures. But that was a pro- that was a three-year freaking project, maybe even four years. Yeah. And then – Yeah. So just talk about how much time you invest into projects, and maybe they flame out. But hell, at the very least, like, you get something out of it, right? Or do you get nothing? I don't know.
2: Man – I think stand-up teaches you that you have to love the journey and you have to love the bomb. And I remember the person I, I love to talk to the most actually about bombing was Kevin Barnett. I would oh, always KB. ask him about bomb. Ke- I always ask him about bombing stories. I mean, his but was a,
4: Kevin was a liar. I would go and I would perform with him. Kevin would crush on stage and then his Instagram, would be like, just bombed. I'm like, no, you didn't bomb. But then <laughs> that was like, it was, it was cerebral. It was
2: it was like the one eighty trick. <laughs> it's like how you how he Jordan it. You know what I mean? You gotta Ugh. make it like an adversary thing, but but reverse, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I I always loved that process. I loved getting in there, and I love creation. I think there are people that either are creators or they're not in in this world. And I know that's like a, we're not into binaries anymore. But you either make stuff in this world or you don't. And I love to make things. And Bear Stearns Bravo was an interactive choose-your-own-adventure game that was a parody uh, of the financial collapse that broke down into a cyberpunk farce. And that was crazy. We got a cool little write-up in the New Yorker, but did I make a single cent? No. Did I spend a lot of time? Did I spend a lot of Henry's time? Yes, a lot well, of it. And that's
4: why it really wasn't a parody of the financial collapse, uh, a coll- a collapse was it? <laughs> I think it was. It mimicked. It mirrored the financial collapse uh-
2: But you know, I learned how to produce there. I learned how to work on a very small scale. I learned how to bring people together. I learned how to convince people to do things that they may not want to do for the sake of doing something artistic and and that stays with you and every time i've done stuff like even pitches i've done i've been rejected by so many pitches oh my God. over and over and over and over again and i would make little artifacts from the show just for the pitch like a little coloring book for a children's animated yeah. show or like a like a school guide for a different thing i mean like i love every bit of this the creative process i love it from creating and concepting to, to distribution and and where some piece of intellectual property is going to spread throughout the world. Like yeah. that, everything about this. So I'm lucky that I love it so much and that's what keeps you going. And I also just like, I'm used to failing. I failed all the time growing up. So it's yeah. like easy for me now.
4: You know, I was in a cab, in an Uber rather, because I'm not 98 years old and I'm not Woody Allen in 1970 New York. I was in an Uber And uh, the Uber driver and I mentioned I did a podcast and the Uber driver was like, my daughter wants to do a podcast. Like, what advice do you give her? And of course, I'm not I can't give advice on anything um, as far as content or how to perform. The only advice I could give and I want to hear your thoughts on this is uh, the only advice I said was just like, make sure you hang out with people that make you better. Make sure Mm. you hang out with people that like have a drive to succeed in whatever it is they're doing. And make sure that you leave conversations feeling better about yourself and feeling inspired. And once you're on that track, everything else is going to fall into place. You know, because when you first moved to New York, especially when you're coming in and uh, Lexi and myself, we didn't have any friends. You know, that's probably why we were forced to hang out with each other um, because we were the only two that we were just there. We were alone. There's a lot of negative people. And we go and you meet a lot of folks and then you have conversations over a series of months. And then after every conversation, you're like, I don't feel better. I feel worse and most likely extremely hammered uh, because those things can go inside pretty easily. That was the only advice I could think of was just be with people that inspire you. And I feel like that is 98 percent of the battle.
2: Yeah, I I think uh, I would I would echo all of that. Questlove actually has a book on creativity. He includes that and talks about that in his book. Where the people that you have around you motivate you to be better, and right. I think that's definitely something this crew uh, ha- has. Uh, the other thing I would say is is just like go build it, just go build it. If you want to do something, just go build it. And like everything that I've done, I've built. No, no, no one in LPN. comes from producing or entertainment lineage or legacy. Not a single person at LPN could trace their lineage back to someone in Hollywood that could have gotten them a leg up. No. This is all straight from the ground up. My parents, it's like, are you kidding? My dad was an actual Persian rug salesman, and here (laughs) I (laughs) am. Here I am standing on a Persian rug getting interviewed by you. It's a beautiful ass and, rug, I got to say. <laughs> but that—that that is what I love most about us is that we are the real deal. It's like we are working constantly and we have we've made it work. We're trying to do new things constantly and we're never giving up. And that dedication and that just scrappiness that we've all had got us here and that's the american dream and that's the one thing that we talk about um you know cena and
4: i used to talk about american exceptionalism and yeah we're struggling with that obviously at this point because the experiment like all scientific experiments we are in like the movie the thing you know yeah. we are just like carving up the body and they're like there's a monster in there oh dang didn't see that coming but there is that opportunity and i do think you know nowadays. With the internet, you are so much more advanced on like all things internet. You're working on 3D technology, or not 3D, I'm sorry, VR technology now. Yeah. Like you've always been on the forefront of technology. I talk with Henry about this, kind of changing the subject a little bit. I talked with Henry about this on Side Stories all the time with robots and this freaking uh. Gundam robot. Now, yeah. I, you know me, I am pro human
3: or yeah, human. Yeah. I don't
4: like this Gundam robot. I don't see what benefit it could do. It ain't building no freaking buildings. I don't think it'll, it'll never be smart enough to do that. It can only tear down buildings. But I know you may have a different opinion.
2: <laughs> Cena. I, do I even need to give my opinion? I don't know. You could know, you, you probably guess what my opinion is. I am for robots doing things for us and i think what's going to happen though is that it becomes like evangelion where you have to have a symbiotic relationship between robot and man so yes there may be some fewer jobs here and there but creative destruction creates more jobs as there's more things because someone's got to polish that gundam robot okay someone's got to clean the it'll be another robot no, no, no! You gotta, you gotta have another polisher. Plus, we'll have. So you know, tell me, there's much. gonna
4: be some poor dude who's has, he's got to go clean the balls of the Gundam, just yeah. to make minimum wage and go back to his family to give them peanuts for dinner.
2: People need jobs.
4: Gundams <laughs> need. I don't understand this dystopian hellscape that everyone's like. Let's get there. We better get there immediately.
2: Well, if you think about it, though, if the, if you get to a certain point where there're not enough jobs, you gotta go to UBI. And then and then you got everyone's got to start, you know, just taken from taken from the from the big guys. Take operations.
4: Yes, of course. We'll have Joe Toscano on. We had him on Ableton's top hat. He was he was one of the presenters from the great documentary, The Social Dilemma. Did Uh-oh. you check that out? I haven't yet. Well, it's a lot of reenactment. And I don't understand reenactment. I'll never understand why anyone thinks reenactment is good for anything. Uh, But there is a lot of that in the social dilemma. And I think that was really the ultimate dilemma with it was just watching these actors really attempt to, uh, I don't freaking know what they do. I don't know how to reenact. Reenacting is very difficult.
2: I don't get it either, man. Reenactment's... It's a weird creepy kind of thing, but I you know, you still get scale when you when you work it. So I
4: whatever. guess. I don't like I don't if I hear the word scale, I'm staying away. That's all.
3: Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: I know. But, Ben, you and I have been friends for 16 years. You're right. I was doing the math earlier. And our paths have always kind of intersected and come apart and come back together. I do want to bring up one wonderful memory of when I was in law school. Just one memory out of 16 years? No, from one, wow. from one earlier, just one in particular. I mean, it's a, you don't have three hours for the show, so <laughs> <laughs> you can I had a mock trial, and they were like, "We need a bailiff." Oh, that's and right. So, <laughs> and then I said, "I got a bailiff," and so so Cena. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so Cena's in law school.
4: This is his big presentation, right?
2: Yeah. this is like my this is like my HBO comedy special for law school. This is in the trial. Manhattan courthouse, correct? Yeah, yeah. Real judges are there, yep. and they're going to give us notes and stuff like that. And I
4: and I do- am not one who likes to go into the courtroom because I have never been the lawyer. I've never been the judge. I'm usually the perpetrator, and I don't particularly care to go into courtrooms.
2: And I think even at that time, Ben, you had an outstanding urinating in public ticket. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, oh, by outstanding you mean it was a very long piss was, and indeed it was outstanding
2: it was a, it was an amazing beat so Ben is the bailiff. New York and City asked- was nickel and
4: diamond me every time every piss every I mean, it was it was insane
2: so Ben comes stands up and he delivers the opening of the court do you remember what it was?
4: uh what was it here he here he or some no, no what the hell is i don't remember no
2: oh yay oh yay oh yay
4: oh yay oh yay oh yay
2: that's right oy-yay, oy-yay, oy-yay. That's, i crushed it i thought you were gonna zigzaggy that thing and it was so good <laughs> <laughs> everyone starts laughing everyone's like who is this guy and i'm like i don't know who this guy is i've never yeah you don't before. you threw me under the bus. <laughs> I won that day. I won that day.
4: You did win. I don't think you didn't, you haven't lost any, uh, well, I mean, you're not, I always, at some point, you need to go into the courtroom and be a courtroom lawyer.
2: Oh, I don't know. Maybe I would be a public defender when I'm in my 50s or something to help kids out, you know, that are like getting getting screwed over but like that stuff is very intense you got someone's freedom in your hands that's you know i'm am an anxious guy you know i can barely handle making a podcast here with you guys right. it's like <laughs> Having someone's freedom would be like, whoa, very stressful. Dude, it is freaking horrifying, man.
4: Some If you really want to get sad, and I know in the middle of a pandemic, people just need to get sad. Yep. Um, watching sentencing videos on YouTube
0: uh, is
4: one yeah. of the craziest things I have ever watched because a lot of these judges don't have the power to um, uh, to delineate between like – it's like it, you just have a mandatory minimum sentence. So sometimes you see a judge who's like, "I don't want to give you 20 years. My hands are tied." And you see this kid, mostly like, you know, under 25 or most of the kids, really. Yeah. And I would still consider them kids, you know, the whatever. That is freaking brutal, man. And so with you in law school, like going from the world of stand-up comedy and dick jokes to the world of mass incarceration. Like what are what was Something that uh, you want to share with or that you could share with the audience. Just, you know, we talk about criminal justice reform all the time. That's a network theme, honestly. Um, What is one of the things that you would like people to understand when it comes to, you know, what it is to be a lawyer? What, what What goals do you want to accomplish with being a lawyer? Because, hey, you got the debt, you got the degree, you might as well do something good with it.
2: Well, there's one thing I think we'd both like to see is the flipping, basically, of the of the criminal statutes, where the violent offenses are all the way at the top, and like the small possessions right. are at the bottom, and these drug offenses are at the bottom, and you're going towards mental health uh, treatments, and you're going to restorative justice treatments, uh, and going for that angle and community based uh, problem solving as opposed to kind of uh, the you know the punishment driven. Prison industrial complex. Right. That's like one thing. Uh, I think the other thing is if the law is this weird thing where people are like, oh, the Constitution says this, the law says this. but We have to remember the law takes the visual world of all of its colors and all of its gradations and all of its things, and it reduces it to black and white text. Right. And that's really fucking hard to do. Yeah. And so that's why fucking contracts are so long. That's why bills are Ugh. so big. That's why all these things are so difficult to figure out because you can't possibly take into account not just the the world in this moment, but the world over time. Right. And that's what's so hard. And people, when they get really stringent about the laws or even when people say like law and order, they have to know that, that, that this is... In flow, there's a flux to it that you have to be able to ride. And I hope we can find a way to change laws faster, because if you could change laws faster, that means that the people that were disproportionately affected aren't disproportionately affected for four decades. It may just be a year, you know. And so that's that's the kind of stuff that I think can happen. Um, Yeah. That I would love to see happen, and and I frankly I think one day when you know when we're tired of doing all this stuff, we'll probably go and do stuff like that. I can't.
4: I absolutely. We can build it. I completely agree, and that's that's the mission of our generation, is to fix everything that the other generation did wrong. But this is not time to dump on the boomers. I'm not dumping on the boomers. Um, but Cena, thank you so much for being on the LPN show. You were the best. I just have my final my final question, my final thought with you. Okay. Um, Obviously, you got married. You got married to Cosmo. She is beautiful. You went to. We went to Italy for the wedding. Yes. Um. Lecce. Lecce, the bread, yeah. The bread basket of, of the world. Yes. Why didn't you want your poor friends at your wedding? What do you mean? <laughs> why did you have your wedding? I was able to go, thank God. But why didn't you want any of your poor friends? Why were you like, I'm going to Italy? It was quite a vetting process, don't you think? Because remember, like, it- Holden couldn't go. Like, there were so many people who couldn't go because they were broke. Um but why was that was that more of a, was that a was that a classist thing or just sort of like a, a fundamental
2: hatred of the poor it was a racist classist authoritarian <laughs> move on my part no truthfully i wanted my mother to not have any part in uh planning the wedding so if i just do it in a different country she's not going to know what to do so, like, for my brother's wedding, she, like, figured out the flowers. She figured out all this stuff. I was like, uh-uh, man. We're going to Italy, dude.
4: <laughs> that is the power of Mrs. Gass like, yeah, yeah you better go to freaking Italy. And she still <laughs> – she had her thumbprint pretty well on that wedding. No, honestly, that was, that was just such a beautiful, beautiful week, man. Thank you so much for dragging us all over there to Italy. We went to Rome, Naples, Lecce. It was one you of my. You guys
2: deserved it too. You guys that hadn't left the country, you guys hadn't oh like really God. taken a moment to just celebrate yourselves and all the success that you had. Not to mention, like I,
4: w- when you get to Italy, especially when you get to like a place like Lecce, which is just a small town, you're they pay you to eat. Like I remember we sat down for a dinner Everyone got everything that they ever wanted Wine was left over And the whole bill was like 48 euro And they were like thank you so much for coming I was like what do you thank you Like here at Applebee's they're like here's a $15 margarita Get the fuck out
2: I could not get the venue to just tell me How much wine they were gonna give us They're like what do you mean I was like how many cases of wine They're like it's just the wine You just drink the wine I
4: don't (laughs) I mean, and then we went to the ocean and I finally, I swam in the ocean. My, my girlfriend at the time and current friend, Brooke Rogers, who was also a genius, uh, mind in all, in all aspects. She cut my jeans into jorts just like John Cena. (laughs) And I was able to swim. So I want to thank you for that experience. Hey, and thanks, uh man.
2: thank you for coming.
4: Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, so fraudsters, it is a hit show here on L- the LPN network exclusive to Spotify. You guys did a two-parter on uh Calling me now, Miss Cleo, which I love. And is three parter on her. Three parter on,
2: on Jacob Wool now. That part
4: two just oh dropped uh, today. I don't know when this comes out, but yeah. Jacob freaking Wool. Well, anyway, you'll have to come back on. Maybe you'll come back on Top Hat um, here in, a, in yeah. a couple of months or in a couple of weeks, and we can talk about Jacob Wool, one of the, I don't want to say great hucksters, because he actually sucked at being a huckster.
2: He sucked. He was actually a, a much better uh, fraudster of financial investments than he was political hoaxers. so Oh my god! That's what we talked about.
4: Talking. You think Roger Stone is bad? Just imagine eight degrees dumber. That yeah. is Jacob Wool. He's a moron. And mora.
2: fifty years younger. So yes, good. <laughs> as soon as grief. We have so much more time of dealing with him now. It
4: is not happening, honestly. We. I'm not. We just. Every time you hear that man's name, just laugh. And then just yeah. ignore because that means I'm Exactly right. That's he, the move. He's pathetic. Um, Cena John, Cena Gaznavi. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I love you. Thanks, check BK. out check out love fraudsters. You. Is there anything that you wanna uh let's see, I don't care about social media anymore, but Ben kissel one on Instagram? What's your, your Instagram or anything like that? Or?
2: At Cena Now. Cena Now. Cena Now. Instagram and Twitter. And
4: uh yeah. I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the LPN Show. Hopefully you got to know us a little bit better. I don't know if you can know me any better, but we can always explore each other. (laughs) That's disgusting. More and more and more. Um, All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to
2: LastPodcastNetwork.com.
3: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need.